Rise and shine. Rise and shine. Chop, chop. Rise and shine. Rise and shine. It's a beautiful day. Rise and shine. Rise and shine. Rise and shine. Rise and shine. You guys are nerds. This is exactly what the nerds want. Our name shall become legend. Spoken in hushed tones by nerds across the galaxy. If you build it, nerds will come. Nerds must love this place. They think we're a bunch of nerds, and I'll tell you something. I think they're right. Let, let the nerds take over. Let the nerds take over! Rise and shine, nerds. We hope you've got your coffee because our brand new morning show is here for Love Thy Nerd and anyone who finds themselves at the cross-section of nerd culture and church culture. I'm Radio Matt. I'm the director of content and resources for Love Thy Nerd. And I'm Deidre, and my favorite pizza topping is world peace. This week we are talking about church culture and nerd culture, faith and fandom, the godly and the geeky, the most high and the sci-fi. <laughs> I could go on. Uh, <laughs> since, the, since the 1980s, really before that, but in this specific instance, the church has had a strained relationship with nerds because of an event we have dubbed the Satanic Panic. Uh, it was real panic over things like uh, ritual abuse or uh, like kidnapping, Satan worship, magic, things of that nature. Uh, that started labeling everything that looked or sounded anti-Christian as satanic. Uh, now, not all fears were illegitimate. Uh, at first glance, you could see why some of these things might cause people to uh, take a pause, want to just like, you know what? I'm not sure if this is satanic or not, but it looks like it might be. It sounds like some of the stuff that is. So I'm just going to not even, I don't want to be a part of it kind of thing, mm -hmm. which you, I mean, magic stuff, especially back in the eighties, like today we're a little bit more relaxed about like the fantasy genre, you know, magic kind of thing. But right. Right. But back yeah. then I could see how that would be a little bit more, uh, concerning for parents. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the things that came, uh, under fire was Dungeons and Dragons, which, uh, I mean, it's, it's essentially a living board game. You know, you're, you're playing through a story. Right. But I think just the fact that like just the title made people nervous, mm -hmm. Dungeons and Dragons. And see, but you're that's, not playing that. That's kind of, and I, and I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's part of the problem is that neither one of those words are really evil. That's true. They just sound evil adjacent. Dungeons? What happens in dungeons? Terrible things. Dragons? They're not real, but they're scary. <laughs> I mean, I bet too that Dungeons and Dragons specifically, they didn't like that there were die in there. The dice. Oh, I, well, because that was, you know, gambling and stuff. I mean, they had Monopoly. I don't think they had problems with Monopoly. <laughs> But I guess I the different know. different die, scarier die, twenty yeah. sided die. Like I can remember. Why do you need so many sides? It's scandalous. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, no, I get that, and the it, it, what what started happening was a bit of specious reasoning, and so there were instances where there were people, children, teenagers, who had either taken their own life 
or taking somebody else's life. And so in examining the behavior of that child after the incident, they learned, well, they played Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. And so the specious reasoning was, well, these three people who did terrible things played Dungeons and Dragons. They all have that in common. Therefore, Dungeons and Dragons must be the cause cause of that. (laughs) And that kind of reasoning is dangerous because I'm sure they all also brush their teeth. (laughs) So should we stop... uh, Advocating for oral health. I don't think so. Uh, those kind of things can be, I mean, we kind of saw that with the, the Columbine shooting as well, which happened, you know, when we were teenagers. Mm-hmm. They said, well, they both played, I think it was Call of Duty or something of that nature. They both played that. And so they must have learned their love for, you know, killing people randomly from playing video games. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I can see where you can draw that conclusion. Mm-hmm. But it also has no real bearing because there's billions of people who play Call of Duty or other kind of RPG games who have never harmed a fly. So that's that's kind of where this started. Uh, for a good representation of what the prevailing church feeling around D&D was, uh, you need only look at the chick track on the matter that is still in circulation. It's out of print However, you can still order them in quantities of 10,000 and only 10,000. <laughs> <laughs> so they still have plenty of them. That's telling me they have plenty. So it starts, Jick Tracks, Chick Tracks, for those of you who don't know, they were, they were like little comic book based tracks, but they are very like hardcore fundamentalist kind of mindset, uh, bordering on the same mindset as like Westboro Baptist church. Like it's, it's, it's getting real, real close to that kind of thing. We're like, just there's there. Everything is sending you to hell essentially kind of thing. And so, well, everything is, is (laughs) if you like anything, then it's sending you to hell. (laughs) Uh, So this one actually starts out with, a bunch of people playing Dungeons and Dragons and the dungeon master's like, okay, wizard, cast your spell. And the wizard says, okay, dungeon master, my spell of light blinds the monster and it kills another character on the board. And in this game, it's like, all right, well, you're dead. Now you have to leave. Get out of here. You can never play again. Like it gets, they don't do that. You die in the game. They don't, they don't make you get out. Get out. (laughs) Your character's dead. You lost. You're never coming back. (laughs) (laughs) But after the game, the comic thing goes, the dungeon master goes to the girl that cast that spell of light and says, Debbie, your cleric has been raised to the eighth level. I think it's time that you learn how to really cast spells. Oh my gosh. She goes, you mean you're going to teach me how to have the real power? (laughs) Yes, you have the personality for it now. (laughs) And it jumps (laughs) from them playing, like talking around the table at someone's house to suddenly they are in this massive room with a giant pentagram on the ground. There's 20 monks dressed in hoods or whatever and like this ritualistic table. It's the intense occult training through D&D prepared Debbie to accept the invitation to enter a witch's coven. 
Oh my god. <laughs> so she became Elfstar, the princess, uh, the priestess of the craft at the Temple of Diana. Just all this weird stuff. <laughs> he goes, if this is fantastic, this makes the game real. It's not a fantasy anymore. Last night I cast my first spell. This is real power. What did you cast, Debbie? I used the mind bondage spell on my father. He was trying to stop me from playing D&D. <laughs> what was the result? He just bought me $200 worth of new D&D figures and manuals. It was great. Wow. <laughs> Does this sound like a normal human conversation? <clears throat> um, uh, and then they go on and the character whose character died at the beginning, who got kicked out, uh, took her own life because her character was dead and she couldn't live without her character. And so now we've seen the girl become an occult witch and be responsible for the death of her friend. All because she played D&D. Wow. Uh, it goes on. She tries to leave the coven and gets, like, screamed at. And <laughs> then she finds um, Mike. Mike is uh, the local Christian guy wearing a school sports jacket saying, I've been praying and fasting for you. Why would you do that for me? <laughs> Because I know what you're involved in. It's spiritual warfare <laughs> that you can't win without the Lord Jesus. So <clears throat> it's completely framed as Dungeons and Dragons is 100% your gateway drug to the occult. Or death. Or death. <clears throat> when in reality, it's much more similar to just acting out a Lord of the Rings novel right, or something of that, age, which was around, it was for the fifties, right? I think it was when Lord of the Rings came out. Like people knew that Narnia is almost that old as well. Right. I mean, C.S. <laughs> <T>. Lewis, <laughs> avid Christian writer. Yeah. And J.R.R. Tolkien as well had very, uh, had a lot of Christian symbolism in his, in his books. So maybe we need, a Dungeons and Dragons Jesus character, and then it'll be okay. <laughs> Let's put Father Christmas like, in one of these. Oh, this is we'll Christian right. themed. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons Bible edition. That's what we need. Those are always the best versions there. of the bard game. I'm oh, sure there's already there. one out there. <laughs> Trivial Pursuit, Dungeons and Dragons. All that. Um, my headphones just went out. Yeah, headphones. There we go. Um, so, friendly reminder, if you see a chick track left behind at a gas station or a library or anything, please pick it up and place it directly in the nearest garbage can or lit fire. Um, <laughs> so, this is the kind of stuff we're going on when we were kids. Um, do you remember this kind of sentiment uh, that all things like this led to Satanism? Like, we were going... I don't know if you were on the trip or not. I feel like you were, but I don't quite remember. Uh -huh. Our youth group was going to a news, Newsboys concert in, I think it was Amarillo, Texas. And we were like on the way to the concert and we were like almost, we were like 20 minutes out uh -huh. and we had to stop and turn around and go home because there were news stories like coming in that 
massive amounts of Christian protesters were there to protest the rock music that was going to be happening there. I do not remember that. You don't remember? I don't think you were on the trip. Maybe I was not. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, it was this concert. And wow. <laughs> Tad all says I've eliminated 50 chick tracks. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. See, that's even right here. Uh, Joshua uh, said that he remembers the one where listening to Christian rock is a sin. Yeah. So even news, Newsboys, yeah. Newsboys was barely Christian rock, really, compared to, I mean, like now they're like the, the Christian uh, worship leaders uh but back then their, their music was a little more weird and a little more rockish, but still like the, <laughs> they were pretty bland compared to what else was out there, even at the time, Christian wise. Right. And there was just these mass, this massive protest uh, against, against the Christian rock movement because it was satanic. <clears throat> I think Christians have a, uh, like Christians in general, the general Christians <laughs> have a, a bad habit of assuming things that are loud or slightly dark automatically means bad, automatically means sinful. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like the, the argument against yeah. like Christian heavy metal music where they have like people going, they're like, well, that's how demons talk. <laughs> How do you know? How, I don't really think that is how demons talk. I think they talk That's more. That's how sweet. Hollywood has said. Yeah, demons. It's, talk. It's a, all your stuff is based on movies you saw when you were a kid when you weren't supposed to. Like <laughs> my sister was into. She got me into some of it. Yeah, like rackets and drapes. Yeah, yeah, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, I I didn't like it just because I felt like I was being yelled at. <laughs> I'm just very sensitive. Please stop yelling at me. Just like, <laughs> but yeah, I remember her playing it, and and I don't think my parents had a problem with it. No, I you know I, I don't recall that either. Yeah, I don't remember them going. You stop listening to that rock music. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, KY Reddit says the whole ridiculous knee jerk chick track garbage makes it so much harder to discuss the real dangers of spiritual warfare and playing the actual demonic stuff. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's lumped mm -hmm. everything into being discerning. Um, <clears throat> I remember, I'm, I'm curious if you remember, I don't think we've talked about this since it happened, but as I was writing this, I remembered, uh, the dad of one of the kids in the youth group was given permission to take over youth for a week. Or maybe it, was, it might have been a whole month where uh -huh. he was talking about, I remember one specific, uh, one specific Wednesday, he was talking about all the different companies in America that donate directly to the church of Satan and how we should avoid all these brands. Do you remember that? It was Mindy's dad. <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't remember that. I, I, he like he went on this whole like this huge list and you know since then i've researched at least some of those i'm like no they don't <laughs> what are you, See, what are you talking like, about they have to disclose what they give to they, don't, they might give to things that are 
you know, not specifically Christian, like things that Christians, you know, are against, but that's mm-hmm. all companies really these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, oh, these are directly, <laughs> these are all led by Satanists. They're all, they're all active See, in the church of Satan. When I was, I, I remember Disney being a big no, no yeah. for a while. That was the big boycott from the Southern Baptists. Yeah. And that was, yeah, I think that affected me more than anything else. <laughs> And, that and was, I don't even know if I feel like we still watched Disney movies. It was just like the new ones that we still <laughs> we had. Just, we, we still we had tons of we VHSs. Had up to we just weren't going to get any more <laughs> yeah. until after this yeah. storm passed. But we weren't going to boycott them from our And it could have been my parents just like using that. No, you can't go to the movies. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It was just their excuse they used, you know, to save some money. We're out of money. I mean, uh, they're demons. They're bad. It's a demon bad. movie. Um. But I can remember my, so I recently watched Anastasia and that was like one of my favorite movies. Was that a Disney movie? See, I don't think it was. No, but I feel like it's on Disney. Is it? But (laughs) I remember watching it and loving it and watching it all the time, singing to the songs, because that was my big thing. If it had good music, I loved it. That was a a 20th Century Fox. So it's on Disney now because they bought out 20th Century Fox, but it was not a Disney movie. But I watched it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is dark. This is really, like he legit was, you know, portrayed as a sorcerer and... Mm -hmm. And I think he was in real life, like the character. The Rasputin so. was like actually, yeah, Rasputin, a, a yes, bad guy, yes. And but I remember just loving that movie and watching it. And I watched it recently, and I'm like, nope, my kids aren't watching this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mosaic Fan Art says the old Disney movies are so much worse. Go back and we watch, we rewatch Jungle Book. Um, yeah, a lot of that was the problem. I think I've. And it's still to this day, the problem that I have with most Disney movies is that they have at least one scene mm-hmm. that will be traumatizing to children <laughs> in every single one of them for some reason. Or maybe not every single one of them, but almost all of them. Yeah. But like any movie that I can think of, even like the Pixar movies and stuff like Inside Out, you got the big scary clown monster thing, mm-hmm. uh, Wreck-It Ralph 2, the freaking <laughs> worst in in movie villain of all time, the nastiest conglomerate of zombie Ralphs creating this monster, soulless, eyeless, ugh, just seeing his skin crawl. Even like they, they pause and they're having a conversation with the monster like arm in the background and they have to keep animating it. So you see it in the background of just all these Ralphs just wiggling <laughs> together. I'm like, this is disgusting. I hate it so much. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but like Dumbo, Dumbo had the, the, the neon like nightmare scene. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Like all, all of those have that kind of thing. So I, I kind of get mm-hmm. that if, 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 if you were against Disney movies because of that, because they always had to have a traumatizing scene or something terrible in them. Yeah. Okay. Go for it. But if it was for, uh, <laughs> if it was just because, well, Disneyland has a, a gay pride weekend. So 
But I mean, that's kind of what sparked it. But at the same time, they also had like a Christian joy concert weekend. Mm-hmm. Same year, they were just kind of catering to all the different communities, which Everybody. you can understand. Uh, but yeah, so <laughs> let's um, go quick. In actuality, for anyone not familiar with D and D, it's more akin to two famous. We talked about this: Chronicles of Narnia, Lord of the Rings. The only difference is people play through the story themselves. It's a board game. It's also telling the story as you play, in the simplest terms. Uh, now today, you don't really hear that much from the church about. Uh, how that's giving your soul to Satan. Today, mostly older Christians uh, or those raised in stricter homes, they worry about something else. The fears that D&D triggers uh, antisocial tendencies, violence, suicidal thoughts, things like that. Uh, And that's kind of been a major reason Christians avoid tabletop RPGs uh, altogether. Influenced kind of by originally what the fears were, and then just they've never done any more research on it. It's just like, mm-hmm. let's block that part off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the last 30 odd years, a growing mountain of evidence has continuously and increasingly show that that fear is uh, unfounded. Uh, Sarah Lynn Bowman and Andreas Leiberoff uh, report in their survey, Psychology and Role-Playing Games, concerns about potential ill effects of immersion in non-digital fantasy games have largely been dismissed in the research literature. For instance, a casual analysis of suicide statistics does not support the notion that role players of a, uh, as a group have a higher rate of suicide or symptoms related to self-harm. When compared to groups of non-players, no differences have been found in relation to depression, suicidal ideation, uh, psych, psychotic, I can't say this, uh, going psychotic, being psychotic. There we go. Going, turning psychotic, extroversion, neuroticism. Uh, in fact, instead of encouraging antisocial tendencies, tabletop RPGs can actually serve as a highly effective means of promoting mental, social, and emotional wellness, developing character that, uh, is not only healthy, but biblically laudable. Uh, so that last bit is actually a quote from Jacqueline Parrish, one of our writers and uh, partners at Love Thy Nerd. Uh, for more on D&D, why it's important, how it can be beneficial to church culture, I'd encourage you to visit lovethynerd.com slash D, the letter N, D, uh, all letters. Uh, and you'll see several articles from Jacqueline as well as a slew of other resources from our amazing content creators. Um, but as I said at the beginning, the concerns uh, aren't always unwarranted, and we will touch on that later this week. But as for this conversation, uh, I think we're we're going to be wrapping this up. This week in nerd history, we're going to need a bigger boat. On June 20th, 1975, Jaws was released in theaters. The thriller film directed by Steven Spielberg and based on the novel by Peter Benchley followed a police chief, a marine biologist, and a shark hunter who tried to stop a great white shark from terrorizing a seaside town. The film was a huge success and is widely regarded as one of the greatest films ever made. It also created the summer blockbuster phenomenon and spawned three sequels and a theme park ride. On June 21st, 2003, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, the 
fifth book in the Harry Potter series by J.K. Rowling was released worldwide. The book sold 5 million copies in the first 24 hours, breaking the record for the fastest selling book in history at that time. The book follows Harry Potter's fifth year at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry as he faces new challenges from the Ministry of Magic and Lord Voldemort. The book was adapted into film in 2007. On June 22nd, 1996, Quake was released for MS-DOS, the first-person shooter game developed by id Software and designed by John Romero and John Carmack, featured a soldier who had to fight his way through various dimensions using an array of weapons and items. The game was a technical marvel and introduced many innovations such as 3D graphics, networked multiplayer, and user-generated content. The game also spawned a franchise and a modding community. On June 23rd, 1989, Batman was released in theaters. The superhero film, directed by Tim Burton and starring Michael Keaton as Batman and Jack Nicholson as the Joker, was a dark and gritty adaptation of the DC Comics character. The film was a huge hit and revitalized the Batman franchise after years of campy TV shows and movies. The film also featured a memorable score by Danny Elfman and songs by Prince. The film won an Academy Award for Best Art Direction and led to three sequels. On June 23, 1996, WWF King of the Ring was held at the Mecca Arena in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. In the tournament semifinals, Stone Cold Steve Austin defeated Jake the Snake Roberts before going on to win the tournament against Mankind. Being interviewed after winning the tournament, Stone Cold addressed Jake Roberts, whose character was professing Christian cliches and Bible verses inspired by Jake's real-life faith, and came up with his famous Austin 316 promo, in which he stated, you talk about your Psalms, you talk about John 316, Austin 316 says, I just whipped your uh, booty, except it's a, a different word. I'm Radio Matt. See you next time for more Nerd History. and Shine Nerds, LTN's brand new morning show. So this week we are talking about church culture and nerd culture, where the relationship between the two broke down and how we can work to repair it. So yesterday we talked about what is considered the kind of the beginning of the, the split with the satanic panic of the 80s uh, and Dungeons and Dragons. In the late 90s and early 2000s, when we were teenagers um, and kids, uh, I guess a little bit, it was Harry Potter. Now, I haven't read the books. You've read the books, haven't you? Have no. you not read the books? No. Have you just seen the movies? <laughs> I've just watched the movies. For some reason, I thought you'd read you're, the books. You're thinking <laughs> of Twilight. <laughs> oh, that's right. You've read Twilight. Yeah, that's something we should burn. Uh, so I haven't read the books. I have watched the movies a, a single time. A couple of them I watched twice because I tried it once and gave up after the third movie. And then came back and forced myself to watch them all just for the fact that people were mad that I hadn't seen them. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can honestly say that it made me uh, renounce my faith and turn to witchcraft. So uh, then the issue with Harry Potter is similar to D&D magic and spells being the gateway to actually becoming a witch or a wizard, joining the occult, things like that. Mm -hmm. And again, this was kind of based on a false premise. People who practice the occult like Harry Potter, therefore Harry Potter must lead to the occult. And no, that's not how that's not how any of that works. Uh, I think some of the breakdown was some of the spells used in the book 
were similar to some that are actually spells from some book or whatever, some witchcraft, occult nonsense. But mm, it's not. That was just good research. It's not re- yeah, it's, it's, just, <laughs> it's just putting a little bit of realism into what it is. But I don't remember anybody reading Harry Potter and reading it out loud and be like, oh, you're a goat now. I didn't mean to do that. It's written in the book, though. That must be a real spell. I don't <laughs> Like, I don't see how this works. Uh, the other the other issue that people had was Harry had a problem with authority because Harry was always um, using his magic, I guess, at the beginning of each book or and movie against his, is his aunt and uncle that he lives with? I believe so. I think it's his aunt and uncle. But they were turds. But they were turds. They deserved it. And that's that's in so many other movies and books that you have no problem with. Matilda? So, yeah. Oh, Matilda was a... I remember not being allowed to watch Matilda for a while. Yeah. Was it because of the authority thing or was it another No, because she used magic. Oh. I don't read Matilda. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a magic person. Okay. None of this is my bag. <laughs> uh... <laughs> But it wasn't just a, the problem was it wasn't just like a, a don't, don't read these books. It was, this is a threat number one to Christianity. Mm-hmm. And that seems like a bit of an overreaction. Okay. So do you remember when it felt like uh, every prominent church leader was warning against Harry Potter? Um, I remember it being a very, very big deal. And even locally, book burnings and things mm-hmm. and yeah i remember mm-hmm. i remember someone brought a flyer to our church to show us that they were doing a harry potter book burning <laughs> and i remember thinking even as a, a young i'm not sure i was even technically saved yet but i was still active and still leaning in those directions and i remember mm-hmm. thinking that's a bit extreme <laughs> Why would we do this? Yeah, uh, it's a bit much. <laughs> but I remember, do you remember going to our pastor's house? He invited all the youth over to his house. And this was his like first house here. The one that were, the one that was still in a neighborhood, you know, before they moved out to the boonies. Uh, and he played for us a video that I believe it was James Dobson had recorded a little mini documentary about how Harry Potter would lead you to joining the occult. Wow. Do you remember that at all? No. Yeah. No. We watched we watched that and then we watched ignored a lot of stuff. <laughs> we watched that and then we watched a Bible Man episode. <laughs> all on VHS. <sighs> KY says uh the threat uh is Christian parents not knowing the Bible and understanding real spiritual warfare, training their kids properly, leading in discernment. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> so let's talk about if the concerns are warranted on all these things. So Talked about D&D yesterday, talked about Harry Potter today, leading people to worshiping magic or even the devil. Um, Like, can we say that's never happened? No. I am sure that there have been several kids that have gotten into either of these things, things that are oriented around magic, and gotten obsessed with the idea of magic Mm -hmm. and taken it too far. Mm-hmm. But that's everything, right? Right. Right. I mean, you can, you can take anything too far. 
mm-hmm. and become unhealthily obsessed with it. Yep. <clears throat> now we know that you know magic, witchcraft, stuff like that has is mentioned in the Bible. We we know that there are diviners and and you know witch and stuff mentioned mm-hmm. in, in different stories, uh, even in the New Testament, I think, especially in the New Testament. Um, but we also know that all of that stuff is kind of just a facade over just evil. I mean, it's, 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 it's a, it's same thing with horoscopes and astrology and, and all this. It's, it's some sort of weird way that people find themselves connected to something that is anti-God, which is what a lot, a lot, everybody's looking for a way to spiritually connect with other people, whether they know it or not. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are actively against the idea of that being a Christian or a religious thing. And so they will jump into, uh, joining any other kind of group uh, I guess religious, I mean, Christian religious. Um, so that kind of stuff is, it definitely exists. It's Mm -hmm. definitely a problem. Yeah. But at the same time, if you're the kind of person that is going to go down that route, you were going to do that before you watched Harry Potter already. Like, if you're going to go down a route that leads you into those directions, you're already susceptible and there's going to be a numerous amount of things that you're going to come across in life that's going to take you that direction. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you can't just say, oh, well, he watched Harry Potter and he likes magic now and it's because he liked because he watched Harry Potter that he's doing all these bad things. That's not a fair leap in logic. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I mean... At least for a broad spectrum. Yeah. I know with with my kids, you know, we watch something and Eli will say, you know, is that real? And I'm like, no, you know, and just having a conversation with your kid who's mm-hmm. reading the book would would help. My sister, um, my my niece is very into Harry Potter. And, um, my sister read the books first. So, you know, before her daughter getting into something, she looked into it. And I think that's what you should do as a parent, not just see a news article and be like, oh, now we have to stay away from that. Look into it yourself. Mm-hmm. And she read them. Now some of the older books, she didn't let her read right away. But that was not magic. That was teenage lovey lovey stuff. <laughs> that she was the, like the burning of no, loins. You're not you're not old enough yet. So Yeah, I but. don't yeah, that, that's I guess that's a point that's that I'm glad that you brought up. I don't want anything that we say to be taken as, hey parents, just chill out and let your kids do whatever they want. Yeah. Certainly it is your responsibility to uh preview anything, especially things that you see, uh, them getting semi obsessed with or things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Uh, okay. So KY says, I don't agree that someone for whom those things would be a gateway would already be inclined in that direction. I didn't mean that the, the inclination would be specifically to that direction that they were, that they ended up in. I meant that their inclination is to seek something 
to belong to. And if they are avoiding Christianity, then they're going to fall into whatever the first thing that entices them is. The inclination is for that community, but outside of, you know, a, a community of faith, <clears throat> not necessarily that, not specific. that they would, that would automatically end in magic without having been exposed to magic or something like that. That's not what I meant. Uh, I apologize if that's how that came across. Thank you for helping me fix that. Um, Mosaic Fanark says, as parents of kids who are now 28 and 22 uh, through 22, we had a lot of discussion about magic, witchcraft, and told our kids that once they're old enough to know truth versus fiction, they can watch and choose for yourself. And that age was different for all children. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. That, you know, it's, it's, you got to tailor make that kind of stuff for your kids as well. So like right now, I wouldn't let our kids watch Harry Potter. Uh, but I also wouldn't really let them watch Lord of the Rings. Uh, Narnia, we're getting into just with the books at the moment. But even that could be a little intense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did. The language in Narnia is so old that I'm like. There's curse words up in there by accident. Yeah. Because they weren't really curse words back then. When I was like, C.S. Lewis oh, is writing. <laughs> I'm going to edit this a little bit. <laughs> And just some of the, the, some of the stuff I'm like, what does that mean? Like, like it's such an old phrase that I don't even know what it, what it means. (laughs) The, um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's, I don't think it's right to say that because something is, something bad is possible as a result of being exposed to something. That means that it itself is necessarily bad. Because my, right. my kind of point was, you can overdo anything and mm-hmm. it becomes sinful in your life. Mm-hmm. And so it comes down to personal responsibility uh, once you you know become of a reasonable age. It comes down to uh, keeping tabs on your own soul. Like you can tell if something's normally, at least anyway, you can tell if something's leading you in a negative direction in your life. Mm-hmm. Like if uh, I would say that there's there's quite a few people that have played D&D who get uncomfortable with it. And that's perfectly OK. Uh, if you if you play D&D and or you watch Harry Potter and you're like, you know what, this kind of stuff does make me spiritually uncomfortable. Listen to that. And for yourself, stay away from it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you need to then go try and ruin it for everybody else because their spiritual um, convictions might not be the same as yours. Mm-hmm. If God's convicting you that, hey, this probably isn't good for you, it's probably because you might have a tendency to go down that negative route if you keep doing it. And that is perfectly perfectly legitimate and you should 100% listen to where the spirit leads you. I would say that would be like, like alcohol. Yeah. You know, some people can have a drink and be fine and be done with it. And then others, you know, God might say, you know, you need to not do that. You need to stay away from that object because I know you Mm -hmm. and I can see this going bad for you, you know? Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I made you. I've seen the tendencies you've grown into. Hey, maybe don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, part of that is also trying not to be a stumbling block to your, you know, your Christian brothers and sisters as well. Mm-hmm. But there's a, a limit to how much of that responsibility is on you, too. Mm-hmm. Like if, uh, 
you're having a, a get together and y'all are going to play D&D or you're going to watch Harry Potter tonight or whatever. It's kind of up to you. Like, all right, I'm not going to go. Not like mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm going to go, but I'm not going to participate. And then I'm going to make y'all feel bad about doing it. That's, <laughs> that's different. Mm-hmm. Like, you're being a stumbling block to me. No, you didn't have to come. Uh, <laughs> you didn't have to be here. <sighs> um, I don't wow. know what that is. So I'm not going to worry about that. Uh, that's not about anything that we're talking about. <sighs> okay. Let's, uh, going back to Harry Potter, uh, the Christian allegory here that, uh, there's actually quite a few Christian allegories, especially in the seventh book when it came out. Uh, Harry, a.k.a. the Chosen One, willingly went to his death to save humanity, and then Harry is resurrected in order to deliver the ultimate salvation here. The final chapters of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows are a resurrection story that parallels the one that is being celebrated all over the world today, showing Harry as a Christ figure within a hero narrative. And in fact, we see the story of Christ in so many different uh sci-fi adventures and mm-hmm. uh nerdy um properties and things like it's it's hard to escape that story it's hard to escape the jesus story because mm-hmm. it is one that permeates pretty much our, our soul i think even people that don't intend to put that story in there we see jesus shining through in different things that's why there's so many books that are like finding god in you know this series finding god in this series you mm-hmm. can you can find biblical truth uh, anywhere that truth exists because all truth is God's truth. You mm-hmm. know, if it's true, it has to be of God. And so you can find these kind of things, uh, in places that people didn't even intend for them to be there. Uh, so it, it really comes down to personal responsibility, parental responsibility, and just kind of in the end, not, not being a turd about everything. <laughs> You don't got to be a turd about everything, man. <laughs> a, bur- a book burning, essentially, you know, book burning, boycotts and all this kind of stuff. Those, those are, those are above and beyond the message that we're trying to send. That's telling the people that like the stuff. We don't we care don't about like you. you. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not making the point that we want it to make. Right. It's making the opposite point that we are against you because you like these things. And that's not something that we want to do as believers. We don't want to build walls where there need not be walls. Mm -hmm. We can build, you know, uh, fences, see-through fences around things that we don't want to be exposed to or expose our children to. Mm -hmm. But that at least won't uh, cut off any possibility of communication. (laughs) It won't cut off the ability to love other people, love our neighbors. A fence, not a wall. It's the difference between a, a, a chain link fence between your neighboring, you know, two houses, you and your neighbor, and an eight foot cinder block wall. Right. Like, do I want them in my life? Do I want to be able to talk to them? Do I want to be able to love on them? Or do I want to pretend they don't exist and that I am in my own little castle? <laughs> Please don't talk to me. <laughs> right. <sighs> Any final thoughts there? Didn't Didn't Jesus talk to... Was it Paul about, you know, don't separate 
yourself out. I think so because it's because it's Paul that the Gentile like like yeah it's Paul that went on to say like you know I've I became a Jew to the Jews uh, I became a um, someone under the law uh, for those that were under the law so I could show them Jesus I became you know I became all things to all people essentially right so I could bring more of them into the fold yeah right <laughs> um. So we actually we're actually going to talk on that point here later in the week. So we will keep going with that. Hey, fam! This is Hector Mirai, and you're listening to Faith and Vandom 180 on LTN Radio. So I've been dealing with a lot of pop culture endings lately, and low-key, I'm not okay. Um, I will be, but I'm not. Things like the Guardians of the Galaxy series is over. The third movie ended that story. Uh, the show Titans that was on DC Universe, then HBO Max, now Max, has officially ended. Uh, the show Succession has ended. Um, the It was just a miniseries, but Love and Death ended. Um, they're saying the Kenobi series might not be coming back. And by the time this airs, the series Ted Lasso will probably be over as well. Just a lot of endings. Just even in books, too. Like, one of my favorite comic books, The Human Target, ended. And there's just, there's, you know, endings are part of the journey, right? If a good story is being told, at some point, it has to end. And I think, honestly, how something ends is one of the most important things. We can all start telling a story, but when it doesn't end well, it kind of ruins the whole process. But when we go all the way through a story and it has a satisfying conclusion, you know what? I, I don't think there's much better you could ask for in a storytelling experience. And it reminds me of this verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8. It says, The end of a matter is better than its beginning, and patience is better than pride. And when we can come to the place where we can honestly look at an end and say, You know what? I'm glad I stood through all this. I'm glad I waited through this whole thing to get to the ending. You know it's a good story. Where it says patience is better than pride because, you know, it's easy for someone to say the hit new series or this is the best thing ever. And then it fizzle out when you're actually patient. You can see that, you know what? You really stuck the landing. You did good. And I think it should be a goal, a challenge, a focus for us as believers is that we want to live our lives so well that when our stories are told, when they're over, that A, it's a story that brings God honor, that brings God glory, but one that we can actually be proud of that this was the story our lives actually told. If you'd like to learn more about Faith and Fandom, head on over to faithandfandom.org where you can learn about our Comic-Con ministry, podcast, memes, apparel, and book series. You can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book. I'm Hector Mirai, and thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me.
Welcome back to Rise and Shine Nerds, LTN's brand new morning show. This week we are talking about church culture and nerd culture, where the relationship between the two broke down and how we can work to repair it. We're talking about the church uprising against D&D. Uh, we did that on Monday. Harry Potter was on Tuesday. And there's actually an older event that wasn't sparked by the church, but it was certainly expanded by it. This was in the mid-50s. Uh, society was starting to have problems with comic books. There was too much blood, too much gore, scantily clad females, usually in a jungle somewhere. <laughs> Uh, there was no real regulations keeping kids from buying comics with adult content. So the Comics Code Authority was established in 1954. Uh, Dr. Frederick Wortham's book, Seduction of the Innocent, accused all comics of promoting delinquency and disregard for authority in children. He made this conclusion by asking young delinquents if they read comics, to which many responded yes. Again, it's that specious reasoning of... Well, all of you have this one thing in common, so it must be the problem. Mm -hmm. uh, at the time, comics were so common and widespread for children that this would be like asking a kid in America today if they know what an iPad is. Wow. You know what I mean? Uh, so at the time, there was also a series of Senate hearings on the relation of uh, comics to crime. Uh, but they did not uh, arrive at the conclusion that comics caused more crime. However, apparent protests, uh, involvement of the Catholic Church, and general fearfulness around how media influenced children caused the creation of the self-censorship body, the Comics Code Authority. Uh, so this caused the major comics producer, include, producers, including Marvel and DC Comics, as well as publishers like Archie Comics, uh, to create their own self-governing body to make things kid-friendly. It wasn't really like a rating system. Uh, like there wasn't like, you know, this is okay for up to this age and up right. to this age. Uh, it was just like, you have to have this seal of approval on your comic book. Uh, so it would be on the cover, it'd be this little stamp said approved by the comics uh, oh, code okay. authority. Okay. <laughs> if you uh, if you wanted your comics in comic shops, you had to have that seal because comics came from third party distributors back then. Mm. They wouldn't ship those comics if they didn't have the seal on them. Wow. Okay. But in the 2000s, it became more and more common for publishers to ship directly to mm. comic shops instead, mm -hmm. going around the distributors. And so publishers slowly started abandoning the Comics Code Authority. DC and Marvel were among some of the last to hold on to it. Uh, but as of 2011, Archie Comics was the final publisher, and they put the final nail in the coffin when they announced they were going to be leaving the Comics Code Authority as well. Wow. Uh, so since then, comics uh, comics are certainly more lax, uh, but usually the more adult comic books are at least marked 18 plus or like kept on high shelves or something. You know, there's usually something to at least distinguish the the more adult uh, comics. Mm -hmm. But uh, this does remind me of the rise of the rating systems on TV and video games that happened when we were kids. Do you remember when that started coming up? I thought they were already on there. Really? <laughs> that was when we were kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, like we had, um, I think it was, I think the video games one came first. I don't remember. They were very close to each other. Mm -hmm. But I remember when video games started having ratings on them. And I'm pretty sure it was around the time the N64 came out. Maybe slightly before that. But there were more and more comics with, I mean comics, more and more video games with 
uh, adult content in them or some of them had varying levels of violence. Mm -hmm. And so they had ones, they had labels for like early childhood, uh, E for everyone, which I think originally was K through A, kids through adults. Uh, They eventually added everyone 10 plus to it. And then they had like, I think it just jumped straight to mature. There might've been a middle one in there, Hmm. but uh, I remember that being a new thing. Like it was in the corner of every cover of the video game, a blockbuster or Hollywood video or whatever. And the TV show stuff was, I also remember that coming into place. Like there were no ratings on TV shows. And then all of a sudden we had, you know, why, you know, TV, why TV, why seven, Mm -hmm. TV, why four or TV 14, you know, all these Mm -hmm. things. And then like the little descriptors on the, of why they're rated this way. Mm -hmm. We've got violence or fantasy violence or Mm -hmm. things of that nature. Yeah. Uh, Mortal Kombat also helped. Yeah. Mortal Kombat was a big (laughs) driver of those rating systems for video games. Oh gosh. And they're still to this day. I watched the trailer for the new Mortal Kombat that's coming out and it is the goriest thing (laughs) I've ever seen from that franchise. There's one, ugh, I just, I'm not even going to describe <laughs> it. It's so terrible. I love the Mortal Kombat series, but I really could do without the hyper-realistic gore of the later series here. Just, whew, it's a bit much. <laughs> Having just like a spray of blood from a 2D avatar back in the original ones where you're just fighting you know, yeah. flatly. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. That wasn't That's nearly different. as bad as just like crushing someone's skull through their eyes or something like that. Like, it's gross stuff. That they're doing. Gross. Gross. Still love me some Sub-Zero, though. Uh, <laughs> so, is it is it a bad thing? Like, is it a bad thing to have ratings systems? No, and that, I, I would say it's more for the parent again mm-hmm. to, to know. I know that Eli is getting into comic books and he has those, um, uh, the encyclopedia that just like, we got the, the yeah, he's got both of those encyclopedias. Yeah. Of oh, And I'm like, some of these ladies need to, <laughs> that's where they're pretty standard uniform. Thing. Yeah. I, and that's what I don't and, like about uh, the comics is, is the ladies wear. Yeah. <laughs> For my impressionable nine-year-old, you know, <laughs> yeah, I that's get that just a bit much. So it's a bit much, or a bit not enough. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's a reasonable thing to have ratings. I know there was, there's always been this argument of it's kind of like censorship. Uh, you know, it's 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 putting a putting a blockade against art. You know. Like and and if you want a nine year old to watch what you're making, make it appropriate for the nine year old. Um, but that's I mean, that's the idea. It's always been censorship versus protecting children. And so I know when we were like just married, there was a company called Clean Flicks where oh, yeah. they would mm-hmm. sell they would they would they would take DVDs, they would edit out all the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Like edit out the cuss words, edit out everything. Uh, and then they would sell the edited version of those DVDs. Now this came, this everyone was upset about that because mm-hmm. that was, first of all, now you're selling the movie and you're making the money from the movie. Like mm-hmm. you're not giving any of that money to us. So I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were more upset that they were altering the artwork 
of the director or the creator or whatever. Mm-hmm. The same thing arose with VidAngel. Now, VidAngel still exists, and you can still use it, I think, right now only on Netflix, where you can stream something through VidAngel. You still have to have a Netflix account, though, and then you have to have a VidAngel account. And the VidAngel will cut out all the swear words or to whatever level you don't want to see or hear things mm-hmm. uh, so you can watch that cleanly. But they started out trying to do that with every streaming service or, you know, have have a streaming service of their own similar to CleanFlix. And I can see the problem with that. You want to protect children. You want to watch watch things that are appropriate or you want to show them something that you love, but you don't want them to see like something you didn't know was in there. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that's that's the thing that we we had this when we were kids. It was called watching a movie that was played on TV because yeah. they cut everything out because yeah. they had to make it fit for TV. And mm-hmm. so we recorded it in our VHSs, and that was the version of the movie that we knew. Yep. And then we grew up and we watched the movie and we're like, oh, I don't remember all these F words. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. That, that's not What did Sam movie. Jackson just say? <laughs> I thought he said monkey flipping. What is happening here? <sighs> so I remember that liar, liar. Liar, liar, yeah. Liar, liar, it, yeah. They My had parents a lot of, had it recorded on the VHS. Had a lot of sexual it. jokes and cuss words in that movie and too. All kinds of inappropriateness had been taken out of it. <laughs> and so we kind of, as uh, as parents ourselves now, this generation, our generation, wants to have that option, but mm-hmm. we don't anymore because that no. doesn't happen. <laughs> you, there's no, there are no movies played on TV that you're watching anymore. Who has cable anymore? Very little people, only people that like sports. Right. And even then, most TV channels that are playing movies are either dedicated to playing movies, and so they don't have to follow a rating system. Right. They're not on you know basic cable or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or if they are on basic cable, they're just going to play it after 10 p.m., Mm-hmm. You know, and then play whatever they want. So you can't even get the the censored versions anymore. I don't feel like, aside from just a few certain things. Um, my dad watched Saving Private Ryan on TV last night. <laughs> I was like, "What year is it?" <laughs> I mean, how do you censor that? That's like uh, there was I downloaded a, a version. Somebody had edited the original Deadpool movie. <laughs> So it didn't was have it two minutes words. long. Yeah, that's exactly what everybody said. It was like, okay, so you watched a 15 minute movie then, because what else could you have done? <laughs> uh, I mean, I still, I enjoyed it. It was fun. But I even, gosh, that even wasn't that long ago. And I remember us get, everybody getting real upset about that movie coming out. Mm-hmm. Like even we uh, at Back Row Online back then were like publishing a thing like, hey, parents, Deadpool's not like every other superhero movie. Don't take your kids to Deadpool. Right. And I still stand by that. But like now I feel like there's tons of kids that have already seen it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's such a mm, we didn't do a good job there. We shouldn't mm-hmm. be <laughs> we shouldn't be normalizing this kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. so we've had more and more superhero movies that have come out that are a little bit more adult mm-hmm. and tease testing those waters a little bit more and more. Yeah. It's difficult. It's difficult to not want that kind of censorship. So I, it, from that standpoint, as a believer who is raising his kids and who doesn't want his kids to be, you know, influenced by, um, you know, the, the negative aspects of the stuff, but also doesn't want our kid to miss out on everything. Mm-hmm. I have those same problems, those same desires, I think, that parents had when 
all these other things in the past were coming up. The comic books, the Dungeons and Dragons board game kind of thing, video games, all this stuff. As mm -hmm. Harry Potter, as all this stuff has come out and become very popular, especially among children, you have that desire of like, look, if they love the stuff, I want them to play it, but I also don't, or, you know, see it, do it, whatever. But I also don't want them to get sucked in by it or get exposed to inappropriate stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I can, I can kind of sympathize with the idea of not, nah, let's just ban that stuff full out. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we don't even have to worry about it. Right. Uh, it might be a bit of a lazy approach to it because you're not at that point, you're not doing your research. Uh, I think, I think you're just like, yeah, if it even touches on that, let's nope. out of here. <laughs> um, but, uh, I just, we have the, we have the idea of you and I watching movies before we let our kids watch it. And I think right. that's the right move because there have been a couple that we've seen. We're like, you know what? I don't think this is appropriate. Yep. Yep. Um, and I'm sad that we have to do that with children's movies as mm -hmm. well. Even children's TV series. Mm -hmm. Cause they, yeah. they want to sneak a lot of stuff in. Yep. So, uh, which a pre we don't really have to do. You don't really have to do that with the yeah. children's stuff. It's okay. But I'm pretty sure to it yeah. as they get older. So much more. I'm pretty sure Eli's probably the only third grader now going into fourth grader who hasn't watched a superhero movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he hasn't seen any of the Marvel all movies. All his friends yeah. have seen all the Marvel movies and, you know. The only one like, he's seen is Into, the, into the Spider-Verse. Yet. He hasn't seen MCU. He's seen mm -hmm. Into the Spider-Verse mm -hmm. and Teen Titans Go to the Movies. And he loves both of those. <laughs> Uh, but I can't even let him watch the new Into the Spider-Verse yet because it's got cursey words in it. Yeah. And I'm like, why? You didn't have any in the first one. It was perfectly fine. You didn't need to do this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't understand. This is it's clearly that, a movie for kids. Yeah. It's that line too, of, yeah. Oh, we want to appeal to adults. And that means add curse words. Why? Yeah. Well, also, why is that what appeals to adults? Right. I don't why, understand. Why... Why is it going to make my movie experience better if you say the F word all through it? Mm -hmm. How does that help me? Also, that just reminds me of those movies that it's nothing but the F word. Uh, mm -hmm. The first one that comes to mind is the Fellum 123. It was like that John Travolta movie. That. The yeah. uh, underground uh, tram system or whatever being taken yeah. over. And it was like every other sentence was just littered with the f-word i'm like they said it like 87 times mm -hmm. each scene and i'm like i can't follow the dialogue <laughs> <laughs> i'm being assaulted every five seconds yeah. i don't understand the necessity this doesn't make it more real for me yeah i, <laughs> I can enjoy a movie without the curse words yeah oh man uh, I remember coming out of the theater for Deadpool and immediately ran into a ladies group from our church going, what did you see? <laughs> uh, <laughs> is the passion, is the passion of the Christ play? <laughs> is, I think the same one yeah, you're going to see. Courageous. Yeah. That's what I came out of. I'm pretty sure. Uh, prayer closet. Oh, what was that movie about the prayer closet? Prayer warrior. warrior. <laughs> no, it was the lady that was had the prayer closet. It's like it was a marriage, it was falling apart, but their mom or... Yeah, it wasn't something. a prayer warrior. It wasn't a prayer warrior, was it? War room. War room. War there room. we go. Thank you, Jamie. <laughs> See, you're not all bad. 
So bottom line, Christians want to experience the same things, but at the same time, they want to protect their families. So fearing things like D&D and Harry Potter that has magic spells and monsters, it's hard to blame us sometimes for going overboard. Uh, But fear is always the driving force. That's the problem. It's always based on fear, which uh, then... What, where it crosses the line is when they turn that fear into like a self-righteous thing. So that's when we get to the book burnings and that's when mm. we get to the, mm-hmm. the chick tracks and things like that. Fear shouldn't be the driving force. Um, but when you get to that self-righteous point, you, it then becomes, it doesn't become like, is this, you know, morally okay? Is there any value to this? It becomes, I present myself as morally right. How can you argue against me and God, by the way, in my corner? <laughs> and when it when you face somebody who likes Harry Potter, plays D&D mm-hmm. or whatever, and you have that mindset about what they like, that's all that you're thinking of. And that's all mm-hmm. you're responding to. You're not thinking about their soul. You're not thinking about their salvation. You're not thinking about fellowship with that person. You're not thinking about bringing them into the fold. You're thinking about, hey, you are a sinner. Mm Because you like that thing and you're going to hell. So just thought you should know and walk away. Right. Because that's what Jesus did, right? He went around (laughs) and he said, you're bad. You need to stop this before I'm friends with you. The only people that Jesus talked to that way (laughs) directly were the religious people. (laughs) Just for the record. (laughs) Now, when he spoke to crowds, sometimes he would be, you know, more straightforward. But when it was a you know, like a one-on-one thing, the only people that he ever called vipers, you know, got up in their face, flipped their tables, were the religious people doing the things they weren't supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. The people that were all that were lost, or the people that were, you know, into, you know, this debauchery or that, he talked to as people. Mm-hmm. And show them a better way. Mm-hmm. So let's do that. Hey? <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Denise McPherson, and this is Reviews of the Nerds. Today, I'm reviewing the up coming Kickstarter game coming to Kickstarter June 6th, Gate Zero, created by BibleX. You can find updates of the game in the Kickstarter campaign by following BibleX Game on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, or you can visit the BibleX.io website or GateZero.game. This Bible exploration game starts out in 2072 AD, where there is an age limit set on the Bible and it is considered an irrelevant book. The character you play, Max, meets up with the doctor whose name is Hector, and he tells Max a story about how his grandma would talk about Jesus' love for his people and that there has to be some way to help their current situation. Hector has created a time machine which takes you to Jerusalem during the time of Passover to find Jesus and to learn what you can about him and his disciples. The gameplay was amazing, and the details blew my mind as I made my way to the first challenge, which was the Golden Gate. On the way, I had my first opportunity for a minigame, which involves saving lambs that had escaped before the wolf eats them. 
The mini games add an element to the game because more people can join in the game on their devices and help to quickly solve the puzzle. After that, I continued toward the Golden Gate. It was amazing because there were palm branches still laid out from when Jesus arrived. I started further exploring and investigating, distracting guards and running into a couple of disciples, which were Peter and Judas. I was fascinated by the details and how realistic the game really is. It feels like you are in those times solving age-old riddles and puzzles and finding out the story that has been lost to Max's time. This game brings the Bible to life in a new and exciting way. It shows the disciples as they are human and adds an element that I've only seen in this game. I'm excited to see how different people, both believers and non-believers, play and interact with this game. I feel that it is going to be an amazing tool to help teach youth and young adults more about the Bible in an interactive way. I would highly recommend visiting the websites and watching the trailers that are available across YouTube and other social media outlets. Also, don't forget to check it out on Kickstarter June 6th. Join in and give them your support. That's all for this review. Once again, I am Danessa McPherson inviting you to hang out with me on Instagram at faith underscore love underscore and underscore bookstagram or on YouTube at Bless This Messy Life. and shine nerds ltn's brand new morning show this week we are talking about church culture and nerd culture and all week uh, we've been talking about the times when the two were at odds uh, and we've done our best to give both sides a benefit of the doubt and now we've that we've covered the problems we kind of want to talk about how things are changing um, we are seeing a a more broader shift to the church at large being a little bit more welcoming towards mm-hmm. nerd culture in mm-hmm. general. There are still pockets of people that have problems with, you know, D and D Harry Potter and stuff like that basically brought from the past and just never really updated. They've never really taken a second look or a harder look or, or anything like that. And, and that's understandable. Um, mm-hmm. But it is time to kind of make some of those changes. And the problem ultimately with with most of these situations in the past is that it it has alienated people from church culture people that enjoy tabletop gaming people that enjoy you know harry potter or any other sci-fi thing uh they have been labeled by the church as essentially that being their personality that's who they are as -hmm. a person and we don't want those people here Kind of thing, whether that was the intention or not, that's how it becomes. You know, that's how that's how people who love those things see it. They're like, okay, well, they don't like that, which means since I like that, they don't want me there. All they've seen of Christianity is them speaking out against the thing that they love. Right. And so, while we're trying to fix that, we're also trying to open doors. And so, one of the ways that some churches are doing that is hosting game nights. 
Uh, and not just like Uno and Monopoly game nights, but like newer games, tabletop games. Some even actually have like D&D or D&D-like campaigns. There's actually a lot more tabletop role-playing games now than just Dungeons & Dragons. All different themes. So you can play plenty of them that don't have any magic or dragons in them. That they're you know they're space themed or some other uh, kind of thing. Those these these exist now, and that I think is opening the door a little bit more to like okay, well maybe maybe it's just a style of game and mm-hmm. and not a gateway to the occult and <laughs> Satanism itself. Right. Um, Game nights, I think, historically in the church have been more focused on children Mm, mm -hmm. and families with children as opposed to just like adults coming and playing games together, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is why I think it's been mostly Uno and Monopoly. (laughs) It's been Mm -hmm. like Boggle and, you know, things like that. You know, Clue if you're lucky, but there's a lot of murder in that, so maybe not. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I remember that being a problem. Like someone donated Clue to Highland, our church. And I don't know if it's still in there or not, but I remember people being like, ah, there's a, isn't this whole game about murdering people? I don't think we want that in the church. I don't know if it's, <laughs> it might be. I recently was like with the, the kids and they all wanted to play Clue. And I'm like reading the instructions to the, the kids who didn't know how to play before. And I'm like, dude, no. <laughs> Am I going to get in trouble playing this with the kids? Hold them with a knife, bludgeon them with a candlestick. Like, Family friendly fun. Oh dear. <laughs> but I really kind of think that this started with our generation's youth groups. Like this this kind of opening up. Uh, yeah. Our youth groups, the generation that we, we're from, which I guess is millennials. It's like early millennials. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's when youth leaders were like, okay, we're going to build devotionals and sermon series or whatever and use like video games Mm -hmm. and these other kind of things as ways to open that door. Um, (laughs) Jane Reedy last church game night, we played secret Hitler and it was wild to just hear you're a fascist (laughs) through the halls. I've watched, I've watched people play secret Hitler. I'm like, yeah, that's a game that people around you really need to understand what's happening. Uh, or they're going to be like, what's happening? (laughs) Why does everyone want to be a liberal? I don't understand here. Uh, no, okay. What kind of weird political conversation are they having over there? What the one someone we someone called play. someone Hitler? What was that one with the cards and you're like, uh, and one of you's a murderer and they like leave the room and you're like the cards. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure like I know what you're talking the- about. But King or something, you were the murderer. Mafia? Mafia. The mafia? mafia. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Mafia, which is what Among Us is kind of based on. I'm, I'm slow. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we would play that we in youth group mafia. all the time. Yeah, we'd play Mafia. All the time. That's right. And I felt a little funny. I was like, <laughs> what's this game called? <laughs> Uh, so th- these, this, this, this started, I think, like I said, with our youth groups and I think it's grown with us. And now as adults, we're like, Oh, we have, we kind of feel this weird pressure in the church to like, okay, well maybe I'm not supposed to like those things anymore. Cause I'm an adult now. That's just for the, the youth, but right. that's not really the case. And the youth groups don't really, <laughs> they're already on to something else. Like we, <laughs> the stuff that we've grown up with, we want to play these games now with other adults that are our age. Right. And I think right. that's happening more and more often. I know that's happening at the, uh, the church where 
LTN has their office, uh, which is Matt Warmbier and Luke Flippiak's church. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have an LTN sponsored game night, I think once a month or maybe every two weeks. Uh, and they got a ton of people that just come and play and they're mostly adults and they just come and play in games like that. We are here at our church going to be trying our second attempt to start one of these because the first attempt, everyone's like, happen. what? I don't want to come play Uno with a bunch of kids. And that's yep. not what this was. And I yep. don't think you realize that. Yep. So, yep. <laughs> we'll try again. We had one person show up. We, we played me, me, my wife and her played a, played a game. It was all right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was weird. But we're going to try again. We're going to attempt again. We're going to bring food. Baptists love food, right? Here we go. Yeah. That was the thing. We didn't have food last yeah. time. Yeah. I can order yeah. that food. Don't let me forget. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> it's beyond, it's beyond, you know, pizza night stuff. This is like, we're, you, you gotta, you gotta devote some real time to mm-hmm. foster that part of your community. Cause it's actually probably a larger part of your community than you think. Uh, I think COVID was, uh, played a big hand in bringing more church people into kind of like a digital world. Definitely. For a little while. Oh, I yeah. think more people mm-hmm. who don't normally play video games played some video games during this time. <laughs> and I think it was a perfect time, too, because Animal Crossing had just come out. Hmm. And that's such an easy to pick up and easy to learn game for right. a newbie mm-hmm. that everybody on the planet was like, all right, let's buy a Switch and buy some Animal Crossing and just hey, look. <laughs> look. Let's sell some turnips this Sunday. <laughs> and uh, get to talk to animals without a mask on. Look at that. <laughs> they had masks you could wear in the game too. Oh, I know. See on my little pocket camp one, like a lot of a lot of people went to masks. That was so like <laughs> This is who we are now. It's like nah, this is what we do now. I'm playing on this to escape that world. <laughs> Uh, so in a larger sense, there are also mission groups that focus directly on nerd subcultures. Um, I know one that I was really surprised to learn about at the first uh, LTN con was uh, a group called Jesus Otaku. And this is Christian Christians who are into like Japanese subcultures. So anime and everything that comes with that, read okay. manga books okay. and things of that mm-hmm. nature. And so the Saddleback Church has the Jesus Otaku ministry that, you know, they go to anime conventions or whatever, or they have, you know, groups that, that share their love for that as well as their love for Jesus at the same time. You know, it's, it's, it's neat. I like that. And there's more and more groups like that featured, you know, focusing on different subcultures. Uh, but more of them are going to like conventions as well. And Love Thy Nerd, of course, is one of them mm-hmm. that likes to go to conventions. Now we go in a, in a bit of a different capacity. When Love Thy Nerd goes to a convention, it's not to set up our own booth and, you know, pass out Bibles or things of that nature. We get in with other booths. We go to volunteer at, you know, like Funko or other booths that are showcasing games and we learn the mm-hmm. games and we then get to teach people that come up to the booth to play the games. It's, it's about building community building fellowship and they then learn that we're from a ministry called love thy nerd mm-hmm. and they get to they get to build a relationship with us before they realize hey we're also here to show you the love of jesus but at that point now they like us <laughs> they're not automatically turned off by the fact that oh this is a ministry no thank mm-hmm. you and they walk away mm-hmm. you know it's mm-hmm. it's fellowship is a key aspect of um sharing the gospel. And again, that comes back to what we talked about with Jesus yesterday. We talked about how 
Jesus would go into the homes of people who were sinners, people who were, you know, involved in, in things that, you know, the normal people didn't want people to be involved in or the things that the religious people saw as, you know, sinful. Mm -hmm. He would go into their homes and he would befriend them and he would have dinner with them. Mm -hmm. And that changed the mindset of anybody who like would never give a Pharisee the time of day would never give, you know, one of the, one of the religious leaders of those times, you know, mm -hmm. their ear for a second. Right. And so that's kind of what we're doing here as well is like, we're, we're, we're building those bridges. We're building those connections long before we ever get to spiritual matters, because by the time we do get to spiritual matters, it's actually going to mean something to you. Even if you don't wind up believing, even if you don't, you know, come to Christ or anything based on anything, you're more willing to have that conversation or know that you can ask us about that kind of stuff without it being awkward or weird, without any obligation. Right. And you're more than likely willing to actually take what, you know, we would say into account. Right. To trust it a little bit more, which I think is... It's something that we're having to relearn as Christians all the time. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. When we think about like talking about the the protesters at the Newsboys concert that protested us away from even getting to go see it, how many people did they save with that protest? You right. know, how many people did they're like, you know what, I got to check this Christianity stuff out. Nobody, <laughs> nobody. I almost guarantee it. If they did, I don't know what kind of weird psychopath that person was. <laughs> I'm not saying God can't use situations like that. Obviously, God can do whatever he'd like. And if he wants to use that opportunity to somehow get you into thinking about becoming a Christian, I mean, I'm sure there are at least a handful of instances, but there's got to be so many more right. of right. the opposite of, you know, churches being loving and caring for people. Like yeah. you see... I think you see this at, uh, I've seen this at comic, I'm like, I haven't seen it, but I've seen stories about this at, at San Diego Comic-Con. There's usually two types of Christians outside. There's the Christians with the signs and the protests and the, the end is nigh kind of Christians. And then there's the Christians that are like, hey, you want some water? We got some food. We got, mm. you know, we got, come mm -hmm. on, you know, you're standing in line all day. Here, take, take a bottle of water. Here's a granola bar or whatever. And uh, if you want to come talk to us, we'd love to be here, you know, mm -hmm. for you at any time. You know, those, those are the two different kinds of mindsets, loving people yeah. and shouting at people. I remember <laughs> when Pokemon Go became big, a bunch of churches were hot spots for it. And a lot of them loved it. Yeah. There were so many that would like, you know, just bring snacks out to these mm -hmm. people in their cars. They just, yeah. They just come and sit in the parking lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they loved it. They weren't upset. And that's, you know, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I mean, I don't know if Pokemon, the people behind Pokemon meant to do that as a way for churches to right. be involved. But right. I think it was really cool. I mean, we even posted an image on our Facebook. You're like, Hey, did you know we're a gym? Yeah. Come check us out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's several times like someone's sitting in our parking yeah, lot even now. People. And I'm like, Oh, they're probably just playing Pokemon go. That was more common a, a few years ago. That's for sure. Like, yeah. They're just playing Pokemon. Don't worry about them. They're not here to hurt us. <laughs> So I think that we're starting to see that nerds who thought that they weren't welcome at church are, are getting a little bit more comfortable in, in a lot of churches. Yeah. Uh, more comfortable with the idea. Um, 
we got Hector Mirai with, with his faith and fandom ministry, which is what he's been doing since, um, I think 2013 or earlier 2013, I think is when he started writing his first book. Um, but it's, you know, he goes, he hosts geek church at uh, a lot of conventions that he goes to. So there's like mm. a Sunday morning service that he gets to host right there at the convention. And it's usually got plenty of people there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's really cool. Yeah. And that's something that I don't think a lot of people would think about. Mm-hmm. Um, little, little blessings like that. One of the things I think LTN used to do, um, I don't know if they still do these. I haven't seen them in a while, but they used to carry around little stat cards. And so it would get you like an experience point in a game, you know, like uh, a plus one kind of thing. Oh. And they're carrying around little stat cards and they would say things on the back, like this is a cool costume that you have on, you know, something like that. And just give them a little, a little boost of, uh, you know, self-esteem with mm-hmm. this little pointless, you know, cheap card. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're going to keep that. They're going to keep that. Someone said, right. you know, I, I, came, yeah. I came dressed as the Joker or whatever. And someone gave me this saying my costume was cool. Yeah. They're going to put that in their little wall of stuff. They're going to keep that from the convention. Right. And they're going to have the little Love Thy Nerd logo right there. Right. Eventually, they're going to go search out what Love Thy Nerd right. is. And whether that comes to anything or not, who knows. But it's more likely to... With that, you know, reminder than it is without it. It's more likely to with right. the kindness than it is if they got a chick track handed to them on the outside mm-hmm. by, you know, a protesting group of Christians. Right. That's right. going to go in the trash. Right. So <laughs> what you going to do? Uh, I think my church had like four Pokemon Go hotspots on campus at launch. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really neat. It was really neat. Uh, so I think we really need to start looking a little bit more for God in nerd culture, uh, seeing how God can move in these communities and how we can minister to these communities. Uh, it's, it's, we, we got to stop with the picketing and we got to do more joining in. Uh, one of the ways we can do this is by building bridges uh, between actual churches and the nerd culture they're reaching out to. And, and uh, we are st- this this year in November, we're hosting uh, NCMS, uh, Love Thy Nerd and Lux Digital Church, along with partners from many other ministries. Uh, we are hosting the Nerd Culture Ministry Summit. Uh, which exists to build bridges between church culture and nerd culture by equipping church and ministry leaders with tools, resources, and training to better love and serve their nerdy neighbors locally, digitally, and beyond. So we would invite you to actually be a part of this. This is a new thing that we hope becomes a big yearly tradition and moves all over the country and then maybe in other parts of the world in the future. Uh, This is our first one, and we'd invite you to go find out more and sign up at in ncmsummit.com. Uh, so let's see what our, our Twitch chance has to say before we wrap up here. Uh, I think I think it's just been Jay Amrady here for the last few, so I think we're caught up on him. It's pretty genius, uh, the, using Pokemon Go as a way to get people to come to your church, mm-hmm. uh, all that kind of stuff. Community game nights, again, I want to go back to that. Community game nights are a great way to... Uh, get people that are at least church adjacent to start coming to your church, mm-hmm. even if that's the only event that they come to. Uh, it's it's a start, you know? Yeah. It's a yeah. start. It's a way to minister. It's a way to have fun. And it's a way to show that you care about them. So if you are looking for a way that your church can start to minister to nerds in your local area and your community, I would recommend that being the place to start. 
advertise it on Facebook, invite a bunch of people, and bring people together. Yeah. You know, that's how we got to do this. It brings the community together. Absolutely. And uh, that's kind of something churches, I think, in general lack. It's something we've talked about in our church recently about how... Mm-hmm. When churches are put in communities, they're supposed to minister to that community around them. Yeah. But more and more churches have people just coming from different parts of town and whatever, and you mm-hmm. don't invest in that local area. Invest in the local area. Go out, you know, put a put a little flyer on everybody's door saying, hey, we're having a game night. No pressure. Come hang out. We'll have food. We'll have fun. Yeah. You know, this that kind of stuff. Tell them to bring their games. They might have something fun. Play some Wingspan. They could lead some sort of campaign. Who knows? Code names. You know, code names is easy. Everyone likes code names. <laughs> I don't like code names. Do something. Why don't you like code names? It's too much thinking. Too much thinking? I don't, yeah. You don't like using your brain? I, How do you connect these I three words without connecting another word? To relax. That is not relaxing <laughs> to me at all. <laughs> it is a lot of pressure. I'll say that. I'll say that. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for Rise and Shine, nerds. We want to invite you to get behind the scenes by joining our LTN Discord community. Once you've joined over at lovethynerd.com slash Discord, simply go to the channels and roles section and click on Rise and Shine, nerds to gain access to it. You can help us plan shows and segments and even be on the show yourself on occasion. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app or through the Love Thy Nerd YouTube channel so you don't miss an episode. And tell us what you think of the show via our socials at Rise and Shine LTN on Facebook and Twitter. Once again, I'm Radio Matt. I'm Dater. And as always, a reminder. Jesus loves you, nerds.